All right, man. Uh, so we're rolling. Uh, I'll just uh, kick it off by saying welcome to the Pager Train. Today I have on the show with us Jace Picard, uh, director, writer, and actor. Welcome to the show, Jace. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, man, it's um, uh, it, obviously we planned to do this in the studio uh, long ago, so let's just get straight into it. You've recently done a film, uh, uh, Fragmentary. Um, you've uh, written, directed, produced, and um, uh, in this film. Um, so obviously, when when were you going to show this film? Was it about to come up on release in the next month or? So this film, um, it has well, it had its release last year October 2019 oh shit um, I've totally got my wires crossed there I'm so sorry man it's <laughs> <laughs> all good it, it premiered October 2019 oh, and it had its Australian run mm-hmm. um throughout between October and towards the end of November so it had a limited release so yes it has <laughs> um come out but I think what you're referring to it was actually due to go to markets um which has obviously been delayed due to recent events. Mm-hmm. Um, all the markets international have ceased. Um, I'm assuming they're not going to start back up for another year. Yeah, I, I think um, I think we're in a massive stall uh, for anything in that regard. But um, well, uh, well, um, on the note that uh, you recently released the film uh, in October, um, where did you release the film? Uh, we had our premiere at. Um, the Dendi in Circular Key. Um, we had that at the end of October, which I think that Dendi, it's changed now, the Dendi in Circular Key. I don't know what, I think someone bought it out. What, be, um, after you screened it or before, what, while after, you screened it? After we screened it, I don't think it's no longer the Dendi anymore. Um, but we had, yeah, we had our release. It's, we showed it along with a, another, we showed it with a short horror film called Harris Forest by mm-hmm. Taya Calder Mason. Um, mm-hmm. She reached out to me because she knew that I was doing a premiere and um, she was just like, Can, could we do like a Pixar thing mm-hmm. and like, show a short film before you premiere? And I was just like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I was just, I just, I jumped on that idea straight away. Oh, um, of course. Because, you know, as industry folk, like we all are working together and also boosting each other. So I thought that was a great idea to also help someone else out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a big shout out, obviously. Um, mm. But um, with uh, Fragmentary, um, what, when did you start? You, you started this film in 2018? I, it 2017? Started, I started writing the film in 2016. Okay um wrote it probably took it took a few months to write many drafts um i can't even imagine what the first draft looks like now (laughs) (laughs) when you write something i i feel like whenever i write something i always know the beginning and i know the end and the middle just gets so convoluted with so much i feel like i either write i either make it easy for my characters or i just make it way too hard like Mm. to get to the point that i want to which is just how I write. Like I remember, like writing twenty pages, and I'm just like, this is just way too simple for me. <laughs> like it's just yeah. like I can't even explain it. But um, we ended up going into production in April 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, so we spent six sort of six months in pre-production, 
And then we started shooting, yeah, April 2017 and shot all the way through till April 2018. Yeah, wow. Okay. So you had a, um, a, a real solid production, but um, let's talk, let's go back to the writing aspect of it because I think people out there, because like I know a lot of people that are doing, um, you know, features like yourself. Uh, I know a lot of people that are doing, you know, short films, web series. And I think yep. some people are inspired by that and they go, well, the, the first starting block to get anything like this done is to write. You need to be a writer. Yeah. Uh, and I think when I, when I started facing uh, being a writer for the first time, I thought, you know, you just sit down, have your idea and the ideas will flow out of your body. They'll come out of your hands, surely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, rude, rude awakening being uh, trying to write something for the first time. Uh, yeah. Like the second and third time, like it's writing is really fucking hard. Like, it, is, it is the hardest thing, I reckon, in the whole process. Is writing. I agree. I really agree. Like, writer's block is huge. Um, and I think for anyone who's writing, I think just don't force it. I think that's the main thing. Like, you don't want to do... Like, you're writing something and you don't want to just force it out of you and then just sort of send it out and not being happy with it Mm. um writing everything everything in this production takes time and i think writing is a huge one like i think you it takes many drafts you don't just finish a script and just be like well that's it (laughs) (laughs) you you care i think i don't know like i personally i care about my characters Mm. when i write and i want to make sure that my characters are taken care of and you're going to have some shit ones, sure, like <laughs> that you write. But I guess your main focus is you just don't want a script filled with just really dull, boring anecdotes that aren't really tied to anything. You know, that's yeah, that's... they aren't tied to anything and they have no motivation and like you've just literally have just put in there for no reason. Yeah. And, so, I, and I, I find that's the that. hardest part for me is tying, like having something to hang those anecdote, uh, anecdotes from. What's, the, what's yeah. the purpose of the story and where is it going and how's it getting there? And how's this tying with the characters? And when you mm. face this as the conundrum as a writer, you're like, whoa, okay, this is really hard. Because <laughs> now yeah. if I get this character to do this, it's going to affect the other character and their plot line. Oh, it changes their future. All right, so how do I write out of that? Yeah. Yep. Oh, and that's exactly, like the my first the first scene of Fragmentary that I wrote isn't the first scene that's in the film now. <laughs> like, Interesting. Yeah. Why would you like, do that way? What what's how did that come about? Um, it dealt with sort of more the supporting cast, and um, I think when we watched it, the producers and I we were kind of just like. It doesn't. It just. It doesn't move the story along. Where there's something in the middle of the film, moved it along perfectly, and we just literally swapped it and put it at the beginning, and then kind of did like a rehash of that same scene in the middle, like sort of just like a recap, a quick recap, mm-hmm. and it just it worked and flowed so much better because you're following a lead actor, you're not following the supporting cast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also found another strange thing that I did. Um, there's two strange things I've done as a writer, and then I've gone and, you know, decided, well, perhaps I should read a, uh, you know, read a book or two about it, or try and get, you know, a bit of education about writing. And I found that I was actually doing similar things to what you're supposed to be doing. 
um, which yeah. I found interesting from a self-discovery point of view. Like um, palm cards is a good one for me. Um, yeah. Where, um, I'll, what, before I even start writing, I'll have a whole bunch of palm cards. And I'll put them up yeah. on the wall and then I assemble them in the story arc and how you get to act one, act two, act three. Yes. And then I'll, yeah. then I'll have the, the characters fill that cement in there and then I'll make them talk. And then I've got a choice. Yeah. Do we talk about the root notes of what the story is or do I just separate the, the whole conversation from the story altogether? And, oh, yeah. And you run into those choices. And um, yeah. that's the part that I really started enjoying as a writer. That you've got to really push yourself to get there. You've really got to work hard. And, oh, you um, do. And um, I think, um, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, second thing is, is tying your story to something. You've got to, you've got to have an obstacle and you've got to have um, an intent. Without the mm -hmm. obstacle and intent, you, you have nothing to hang those anecdotes on. And oh, yeah. So what, where, where you're going and how you're getting there. And that's when I start to write. Once I've got, once I've got the, um, the scaffolding, if you like, for, mm -hmm. for a story, then I find it um, easier to write. If I'm trying to write without the scaffolding, I, I find that that's where that writer's block will come in and that daunting look at a blinking cursor. Um, mm. Like, come on. Oh, I totally agree with you. And it's funny, like studying as an actor, because that's where I first sort of broke into the business. I started at ScreenWise in 2011 doing the full-time course. And what we learned a lot of, especially when we were doing scene work, is your objective and what's stopping you from achieving that objective. And I think I sort of took that into my writing. It's like, if a scene's not flowing and your characters aren't wanting something in this particular scene, or there's something that's like, if it's too easy for them, this, it's not going to work. I think like it, it kind of just is. I don't know. Boring. I don't know. I don't. I don't think boring is the right word. Well, maybe shallow. It's too shallow. It has no. There's things that lack the depth, and then no one is invested in into the emotion of it. Um, yeah, that's what I find with some things. You've got to give an actor something to um, uh, reference. If, mm -hmm. if if an actor doesn't have a reference in a scene, then it's just. Um, it's just surface. It's just surface. It's modeling at that point. You're modeling and actors no. don't want to be a model. They want to act. Um, <laughs> it's, it's taken me such a long time to learn that lesson. When I started doing films, um, I wanted to do action films. I wanted it to be the Western Sydney version of Guy Ritchie, right? I, I just wanted yeah. to do these Western Sydney-esque gangster films and they were fun to write, but I realized, well, uh, I was writing the characters in such a shallow way where you know, there was, you know, uh, henchman A and henchman B and, um, you know, the stereotypical drug dealer, you know. Yeah. And then when I started writing them more, I found, well, you've got to give these guys a bit of depth. You've got to, you've got to give an actor something to anchor to. Otherwise, mm -hmm. what, they're not going to have fun. And when you're directing it, you're not going to have fun. Agreed. You know, and, then, and that all comes from the writing. And, I, yeah, I, I, I love the editing side of it. I love, the, I love directing. I love the end. The end scenes is yeah, my favorite. Is setting up a beginning and setting up like like just a gigantic just end to mm. a film because a beginning is just as important as the end. Because yeah, um, but it's just that it's the middle part that's just like how do we get from A to B? <laughs> yeah, the conveyance, the segue. What is the meat in this sandwich? Um, yeah. But well, coming to the other thing I learned about writing as well, if you write in a linear fashion, 
you don't always have to start at the start. You can drop the story, uh, the story start anywhere along that timeline. You go, let's start there. And then you can then yeah. reflect back to previous um, uh, ideas prior to your start. Um, yeah. These narrative arcs are interesting. I, I, that's where I, I think um, it's one of the things that got me turned on with stories was um, the um, Quentin Tarantino sort of outlook of how to put a plot together. Yeah. How to have all these seemingly unrelated events in an arc, but then have it still make sense. Oh, and he's all about his characters, Quentin. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's, he's one of those guys, though. Like, you know, there's, there's uh, guys like uh, me and yourself and others that we, we're very dedicated. We try to educate ourselves in the right way. Uh, you know, we're, we're working late at night to get what we're doing done. But he's the kind of guy that looks at a blinking cursor and just writes out an entire movie. You know, just like, oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, what would, what would you what what do you need to do to become that man? <laughs> uh, I don't know how. Like I could write twenty pages. Like I could literally write twenty thirty pages and just throw them in the bin because I'm just like I don't like this at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like that self-loathing as an artist. That's like burn it all, burn yeah. it all down. I hate myself and I hate everything. <laughs> I know. But I always know, even with those 20 to 30 pages, I know that there is something there. Like, it will, it will sort of be a similar story, but it, I may just hate the characters. Or it could be, I love the characters, but I just don't like the predicament that they're in. Like, I just have to, I just have to keep chipping away at it. And that's just mm -hmm. how I write. My main thing, especially with a draft, and it's, it's similar to what um, you do as well, it's kind of, I try to get the story, like, perfect. It doesn't matter what the characters are saying in that particular scene. I will go back and mend that. Mm -hmm. But as long as I can sort of have a fair idea of what they're saying in that scene and how they're going to here and to the next one and the next scene. And um, as long as I can come out with 80, 90 pages from my draft, my first draft, then I'm happy. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go in and I'll start making the characters actually have a personality. That's it. Yeah, that, that's the that's when you get to that part of writing. That's the part that makes me feel good because that you're already mm. at a point where it's sort of you're, you're you're almost editing what you've already built. You just yeah. you, you've built the you've built the furniture. Now you're painting it and you're polishing it and you're making it look pretty. Um, mm. And that's the fun part of it. But the labor that goes into uh, building uh, those structures so much. Like I can't listeners out there. I cannot express to you that much. Like get into it. Don't get me wrong. Give it a go, but understand when you write a story, it's just not a whole bunch of um, gobbledygook that comes out. It needs to have a structure, and it needs to they need to link together, and that's that's where the challenge is. And then that, after that, then it's character development. All right, what emotions do I give these people so they can be directed and acted? Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, um, uh, but these are fun journeys to learn. Um, I think you get to a point, and I'd encourage anyone that's have, suffering from that uh, daunting feeling of being a writer, especially with someone who's in the middle of a, writing a feature where you start mm -hmm. to question your own existence. Like, why am I fucking doing this? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, is to um, keep going and understand that it's just, there's, there, there is amounts to climb, but you will get to the plateau. And when yeah. you get to the plateau, the sunset looks a whole lot better. So it's, exactly. it's, it's totally possible. Just understand that it requires a bit of pain. Or maybe a lot, maybe a lot of pain. <laughs> Just a little bit.
Um, but so you know, you've taken it out of the of the writing uh, floor. Did you? Uh, are you a storyboard guy? Do you do storyboards for your films, or um, do you just go straight to shot list? I go straight to shots. I would love the storyboard. I'm a terrible like I. <laughs> me drawing is <laughs> oh shocking. I would I would not do well with that. I have like I do have the vision in my mind of what I want, mm-hmm. and I will try and get um like I, I will try and get the shot as best as I can. Um, and I think mainly, especially when you're going through pre-production, it's, it's sitting down with your DOP and going through what you're wanting and also location scouting. Like a lot of the time your DOP will want to know where they're shooting at before we actually, you actually turn up on that day <laughs> to shoot it. Because yeah, they have a fair idea in their mind shots that you haven't even thought of and like they're there to help you and like they can pass you an idea and you're just like holy shit like that is amazing like yeah because that's their job like they're the, they're the director of photography they know how to get amazing shots mm-hmm. like i can say i want to close up here in a wide here and maybe like a drone shot <laughs> like <laughs> it sort of distinguishes and he's just like yeah we'll have it like we do on a tracking and like we can do a lot of this and yeah let's do a slow tracking shot and um and then do a slow push in to build tension yeah um i I think there's definitely you need to it's a strange relationship a director dop i think it's a bit of a love affair in a way to describe it you it's like finding it's like finding a partner you've got to fall in love um Mm. we've heard of all of the horror stories out there of a dop and director not getting along right um but i think for a production to work there needs to be a bit of a love affair you need to have a respect for each other you need to understand that they're going to have ideas that are going to be valuable um you need to be firm in your um resolute to get your vision done um but not be too shy about putting that across but not being too aggressive where you piss someone off um, I agree, and I've been on sets where DOPs and directors don't get along, and it is awkward. Like, mm. it is rough, and because that's but I was obviously acting. <laughs> I'm just like, ah. you just have to stand there and just let them have it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think I've only, uh, as a director, I've only, I think I've chucked a wobbly once at my mm-hmm. DOP um, because. Um, they were questioning an edit process. It wasn't about the shot. The shot was fine. They're going, but how's this going to work in post? I'm like, that's, that's my job, man. Just take this shot. Please take this shot. Um, yeah. that, was, that was the only time where, and that was with a, a close friend as well. It wasn't like we didn't get along. It's just that we, we locked horns for that moment. But yeah, generally, generally I like to be the collaborator. If someone's got a good idea, allow that idea to, to, to take fold um, or to take hold. Uh, but it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes, I don't know, I've been on sets as a first AD and you're watching some crews work and you're like, I like my crew. We, we get along. Yeah. My crew gets along. <laughs> These guys don't. Yeah. Uh, and that, well, I can tell you that fragmentary, like my DOP, Nicholas mm. Price. Shout out to Nick. Yeah, big um, shout out, Nick. Uh, massive. He was phenomenal on this shoot. And I think that's the like we we didn't fight at all. I don't think we ever did during the entire shoot of it. Um, and half the time he was just like, "I just want to make this film perfect for you," and I'm like, "You will." <laughs> like yeah, that's exactly it. You're going to. And I will make you aware. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does great work, Nick. Yeah, I wouldn't. Rec- I 
couldn't recommend him enough. So if anyone is looking to find a DOP, hire Nicholas Price. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think you can't get a better shout out than that. Um, yeah. but, uh, but let's um, uh, let, let's uh, uh, um, uh, go into some of your older work. I, I, yes. um, I remember the first time I met you, actually, because Roscoe Pagey Train always has a story of how he met someone. And usually wow. it's um, because I was intoxicated somewhere. And I believe it was time. at the <laughs> premiere night of one of your films. <laughs> with, yeah, uh, this one. yeah, led me astray. Yeah, with uh, our director, writer-director Tom Danger. Big shout-out to Tom Danger, by the way. I uh, want yeah. to review you for an episode, bro. So if you're listening, I'm, gonna, I'm coming for you. Um, yes. Get yeah, I saw, you, I saw you at that. Um, man, you did a great, uh, sterling, sterling job in that film. Um, uh, and, and the same to Tom, I, I think. Uh, not to give it away, I don't want to get into the story, but um, you get sucked in. You certainly get sucked into that film. Uh, I loved that script when I read it. Um, how I got into that film, so that journeys back to when I was studying it screenwise. Um, Alana Robinson and I went to screenwise together and she was the female lead of Leave Me Astray. And she had already been cast, but Tom was having trouble finding the male lead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Alana, <laughs> like, send me forward. Um, <laughs> and funnily enough, I was already on his list of people to contact. I don't know how he found me, but I, he just, I have no idea. But luckily we got the part and it was, it was a great, like it was, a. I don't know. It was definitely one of the best experiences I've had on set mm-hmm. um, just because Tom was so manageable and likable. Like, it was just a very positive guy. Yeah, he's, he's a positive wanted... go-getter for sure. Yeah, big big shout out to Tom. He's a really positive, outgoing kind of dude, yeah. Yeah. He knows what he wants. I think that's it. And he's he's never shy from letting you know what he wants either. Like, <laughs> if he doesn't like something, he'll tell you. Yeah, um, and you don't always have to agree with him, but um, definitely respects, I guess, his response. Like, I think how we got along—we're big fans of '80s horror. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how we got on, like, *A House on Fire* because we love our '80s slasher films, like *Friday the 13th and you know, *Nightmare* and *Halloween*, but also your underrated titles um, like *Hellfest* and *Happy Birthday to Me*. And I don't know—I could ramble on. We could ramble yeah. on. There you go. Okay. Yeah, I was quite partial to um, Hellraiser myself, actually. But love know. Hellraiser, Clive. Yes. Yeah, yeah big Pinhead fan, man. He's, he's oh. And I, I only re- I rewatched that recently, and just I had forgotten just so much of that film and how perfect the first three. I'm going to say one, two, and three. I enjoyed. I can't. I yeah, didn't watch that. And beyond that. And I, I, I didn't mind Jason as well. Jason was all right. Yeah. Jason wasn't too bad. No. And Jason, actually, now you've wrote me right in. You've just reminded me how much I liked horror when I was younger. Yes. <laughs> I would, if I was you, go and rewatch them. They're great. Mm. But uh, yeah, no, but Led Me Astray. Uh, I don't know, even haven't checked. Has, it, has Tom released the film yet? Is it out there for public consumption? or? Led Me Astray is available on Ozflix. Oh, yep. To rent, I believe. Um, I don't know if it's available anywhere else, but it definitely went to Ozflix. All right. Um, but it's a great, it is a good film. And I, like I said, I, had, I have a lot of fond memories. And I ended up going on to um, be an EP on it. So I executive produced it as well. 
Well, you can't help yourself, can you? You have. To, I need to be a producer on this film, man. I need to be a producer on this film. I want. I want a, I want a piece of this film. I want in. <laughs> and that's exactly how it happened. I watched the trailer, and I was saying this. Like I've had said this before. Like you have been. I have had been on some stinkers in the past, and where you watch it and you're just like, Ooh. <laughs> um, but we watched the trailer for Leave Me Astray, and I'm just like, this needs to go somewhere, and I was. Like, because I didn't want it to just disappear. Mm. And I just, I was very adamant on that. And I just said, Tom, like, whatever you need. He was, he was very adamant on getting it, obviously, as far as he could. Mm. But I also wanted to just jump in as well. (laughs) (laughs) I I love being behind the camera as much as I love being in front. Um, And that's always been me. Yeah, well, oh, look, I'm of the view they're um, they're they're both great waves to surf. But I, look, as an act, like I've never acted; I've only ever been an extra in my own films. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how you guys do it. I I think it's such a hard job. Like a lot of people um, don't give it the uh, credit that it's due. Like it's a difficult job. It's a really difficult yeah. job. Um, and it's all about it, it's very um, musician in nature. As a as a because I sing when I um when I perform, I go, Oh, I can see the relationship. You've really got to throw yourself out there and you've got to, um, sort of be free with your emotions and allow them, uh, to, um, uh, fit on and bolt them onto an idea. And, yes. uh, that's a difficult thing to do. And, uh, doing it as a, as an ulterior persona, I think, wow, that's just, all right, I'm not me right now. I'm someone else. And I'm, I'm bringing this depth to it. Um, and it's one of those hidden arts when people see good acting, they don't know. They just go, oh, that's good. They only see it when it's bad. They go, oh, that's some bad acting, man. They'll never register that, what, how fantastic something is. But some people can be so 50-50 as well. Like, I've, I've had good reviews. I've had bad reviews. You just have to take it with a grain of salt because everyone has a different idea of what's good and what's bad. Like, mm. I got bad reviews as well for Leave Me Astray, but I've also had bad reviews for Frags. <laughs> but I've also had, over, like, great reviews as well mm. for both of them. So I think it's up to the person watching it and what they think. Oh, well, look, um, from a promotions point of view, because I do a lot of promotion, um, I think uh, Led Me Astray uh, footage with yourself um, uh, doing a few scenes has been, uh, like, it was a good three years of Made in the West promo there. And it just showed as a trailer. It, like, we showed the, um, uh, yeah, the, the trailer at Made in the West in, like, yeah. 2014, I think it was. 20, I was there. Yeah, yeah, um, man. Um, that's the and but uh, that 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 footage has always made it through uh, up until like 2017, I think, because obviously you know you you move on to other footage because that playhead moves on. But man, it yeah. was in the mix there for uh, quite oh, a while. Man. I think the line was, um, oh, "What was the line you said? Like, if you come near, you, if you come nearer, I'll kill you. If you come I'll near me, I'll kill you." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Oh, sorry. I'm taking you back. I'm taking you way back. It is. You're taking me way back, and it's funny. I look at that film, and I was like, oh. It, whenever you, like I don't know, whenever you watch something from far back, you're just like, oh, what was I even thinking when I? <laughs> Why did I sign up for this? <laughs> I know, I don't have a bad word to say at all about Leave Me Astray. I mm. even from even today, I loved it. It was a great part of. I guess it was a it was a good learning factor because I was mm. fresh out of acting school, and I think Tom was fresh out of. No, he no, wasn't. He was, no, yeah, he was still doing film. He was still school. doing it. 
I remember because um, uh, he, he was in a different year to me at uni, I think. And um, uh, he was talking about Codex and because uh, he was doing like, uh, he was shooting on 2K or 4K, I can't remember. He was he shooting was, at the I time, it was a high resolution. It was brand new. Yes. And I'm like, dude, man, you've bitten off a big piece of Apple here, eh? Um, mm-hmm. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, what, what computer are you going to use? He goes, I'm going to use this one. I'm like, you need, a, you need a bigger computer, dude. And I went, it won't do it. Won't do it. He's like, yeah, you'll do it. I'm like, no, nah, man. He comes back to me. He's like, I had to get a bigger computer <laughs> to do it. <laughs> oh, bless him. Yeah. He, yeah, he's just, I remember he was, yeah, he was still in film school and they were asked, their assignment was to shoot a short film. And he didn't want to shoot a short film. He wanted to shoot a feature. He wanted to go one above everybody. I, that's what Tom does. <laughs> <laughs> And hats off to him. He pulled it off. Oh, man, he had a premiere at a cinema, man. Like, Yeah. Is, that's is exactly what, it. Yeah, man. He, um, he got... A, that film was really well received. Uh, so, guys, if you're out there listening you want to check out this film, go to um, Ozflix and mm-hmm. check out uh, Led Me Astray. It's totally worth a watch. Um, guarantee, if you watch it, it will, it will suck you in. Uh, oh, you, you will totally watch and go, oh, they got me. Guarantee it. Guaranteed if you watch that film. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely worth a watch. So um, go check it out. Uh, but uh, uh, just before we go, I think we're almost out of time, Jace, because uh, I've got the old uh, Zoom time limit going on. Uh, but yeah, uh, just a quick shout out for a couple of other films that you've done. So you you were in um, uh, Remember Redfield and mm-hmm. After Nightfall. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, so Wayne, Wayne Tongues, who did After Nightfall. Is that um, Wayne? That's Wayne. Wayne did after Nightfall. All right. And I know you know Wayne. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm, Wayne, I'm coming for you. Now that, no, oh, man. oh, man. Didn't know that. Wayne, yeah. watch out. <laughs> Another one that I admire. He, oh, well, he's been in the industry for years as a writer, director, and he does all of it as well. And he is. He's a dear friend of mine. Um, we just, yeah, we actually haven't caught up in a long time but after nightfall was uh it's just it was that neo-noir like mm-hmm. um type web series and i do recommend it go on youtube and watch after nightfall web series you won't regret it it's a great murder mystery um and yeah uh remember redfield you can also catch on youtube um that was directed by logan webster who played the villain in leave mm-hmm. me astray so it was kind of like a reunion yeah, he was oh, a good he villain did. too. He did a really good job, I think. Yeah. yeah. It was people who kind of did Leave Me Astray and we kind of just got back together and did remember Redfield. But I think they, he, I think due to sort of budget constraints and stuff, I think he just decided to release it just on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's where you'll be able to find that film as well. All right, man. Well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I've got to wrap it up. I could talk to you for another hour. So that's yeah. a total signal to get you back after uh, this uh, virus is pissed off. Um, yep. I'd love to get you back in the studio. Um, but um, once again, uh, thank you very much for being on the sh- show, Jace. No worries. Thank you so much. All right, man. Oh, just before I've got to go, I, I just need to do a shout out, obviously, for Still Searching Productions, the production company that I run. If you ever need some Foley done editing, especially promotions. And don't forget to check out Made in the West Film Festival. If you've made a feature-length film, need a trailer in a festival, let us know. If you've made a short film and you made it in Western Sydney, or if you've had a cast or crew that has put in the film, 
be sure to check us out at mainthewest.com.au. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the Pagey Train. And if you really like the show, don't forget to hit the little notifications right about there somewhere. And uh, it's been a great show. And once again, thank you very much, Jason, for being on the show. Welcome. Uh, thank you for being on the Pagey Train. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Sorry, I got that out really quickly. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, cool, man. Um,